Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, here with co-host Andy Dolich, and really excited for our conversation with Ray Bobbitt around uh, potentially being a one of the first uh, majority-owned groups in the NFL uh, from an African-American perspective. And I'll let Andy kind of set the stage. Um, Ray's done some incredible work and has a really interesting story around growing up in the area around the Oakland Coliseum. Uh, we'll dive in a little bit into that, but Andy, why don't you kick it off for us today on the episode? Sure. Uh, and again, uh, great uh, to have Ray with us today. Um, Oakland has had a spectacularly successful history in sports, from high school to the pros and everything in between. Um, I was just reminded with the uh, passing of Joe Morgan how many incredibly great athletes uh, literally came up through different uh, high schools and youth leagues in and around Oakland, which which Ray can talk about with as much knowledge as anybody. But the key is that above and beyond winning championships in every sport, um, the Oakland Coliseum, kind of amazing, was uh, opened in 1968 or 67, and the entire facility was built for $28 million, a stadium that housed a football team and a baseball team and an arena that housed an NBA basketball team. Only footprint, I believe, in North America that had three major professional sports teams performing in one footprint um, with more than enough parking, with as good a transportation system as any city has uh, in North America. And then over the last few years, heartbreak. Um, the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, the Raiders have left before, came back, and are leaving again and have left to, to play in a multi-billion dollar stadium with no fans in Las Vegas. And the Golden State Warriors moved across the bay, but still left Oakland to their spectacular new place called Chase Center, um, about $1.5 or $1.6 billion. And the Oakland A's continue, as we've talked about before, on a 15-year search to figure out how to build a new ballpark. And we won't get into all those details immediately. But um, you had two major professional teams leave a city. And that is incredibly damaging. But there are always people with vision. There are always individuals that care about where they grew up and know the history of what has happened in their community and the strength of their community. And that's where uh, Ray comes in. And it's easy for most people to just shrug their shoulders and say, oh, okay, we lost an NFL football team. Our basketball team has left. We don't exactly know about our baseball team. But Ray has led an effort um, and gained credibility over the last few months. So set the, the tone for the conversation. And Ray, if you could sort of tell your story, your involvement in Oakland, and, and then sort of fast forward to today and where you're at with the effort and what you see as the opportunities and clearly challenges to come. 
Sure. And uh, again, thank you guys so much for having me. Um, and, you know, Andy, you're a, a legend in Bay Area sports. And, you know, it's an honor to, you know, to be on with you. You've done so much for Bay Area sports. So I always want to start with that. Um, so well, I, I appreciate it. Ray got my check, right? So he, he got that. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thanks, Ray. <laughs> you got um, so, I've, you know, just being born and raised in Oakland, that's, that's the first part of my story, first part of my journey. Um, ironically, Joe, Joe Morgan went to high school, my, my father, um, and used to, and lived two, two doors away uh, from him. Uh, they went to Castlemont High School together. Uh, just, you know, and, uh, you know, we're, we're really uh, offering our condolences to his family. So he, he went to, you know, one of many athletes that have played sports in, in Oakland uh, that have gone on to be, you know, Hall of Famers. Uh, if you can imagine uh, the, you know, the, the, the uh, outfield at McClyman's High School had Frank Robinson, uh, you know, Vida Pinson, uh, it, and Kurt Flood at the same time. And, and their classmate who played basketball was Bill Russell. So just to give you, you know, just to give people an indication of, of the level of talent that has come out of Oakland with respect to its contributions from a baseball, basketball, and now football perspective, it's, it's, a, it's a community that has really uh, done a lot for sports uh, just on the youth level, on the and the high school level, as Andy indicated. But professionally, you know, we've won. You know, our sports teams have won, and uh, we've had a lot of parades in Oakland. So <clears throat> we have a tremendous fan base, and so it's something that's very important to all of us, uh, the entire East Bay region. But specifically, my journey, being that I grew up a few blocks from the Coliseum site, I was telling Jake earlier that one of the things that's always interesting is when I started working to keep our sports teams in Oakland, uh, the, a lot of the fan groups had no, I had never met them and they had never met me. And they said, you know, we've never seen you at games. And I had to explain to them that, you know, I, I couldn't ever afford to go to Raider games, you know, coming up, you know, we, we, you know, my sister and my brother both sold concessions at the Coliseum. I, me as the entrepreneur, the uh, entrepreneur of the family sold things around the Coliseum. So, uh, and I'm saying all that to say that the people that live in that community have had an economic relationship with sports franchises. And that to me is one of the things that really motivated me, even beyond my love for Oakland professional sports and Oakland sports in general, really motivated me to, to, to kind of start this process and to start this journey. Um, because I know how important it is, uh, those entry level positions, all the people you see selling concessions, doing security, parking, groundskeeping, those people live in that immediate community. And if you're not familiar with Oakland, most people either come to the airport extension, get off on BART, come through Amtrak, and or come off of 880, and they don't ever really go east. If you go east about two blocks from the Coliseum site, you find yourself in the middle of one of the most underserved communities in the country. It has one of the highest level of uh, violence, unfortunately, it has one of the, you know, it's most underserved from an educational perspective. Um, and it's really what you hear about from Oakland and in, in this, from the standpoint of its reputation to some degree um, is being tough. It, that's it. It's district six and seven. And so growing Ray, up there, this, this, yeah, this reminds me a quick aside um, because the national view of Oakland is just wrong. 
Um, and it always has been wrong. And I can say that coming from the East Coast. But when we were lucky enough to host the 1987 All-Star Game at the Oakland Coliseum, when the A's were on beginning to get to the top of the world with many Oakland-born players like Ricky and Dennis Eckersley and Carney Lansford and in and around. But, Ray, we brought the people from Major League Baseball because they had a question like All-Star Game, Oakland, shouldn't we just go to San Francisco? And you've heard that story a hundred times. And so we took them around town, right? We took them to Lake Merritt and they go, hey, where did this come from? Uh, largest inland saltwater lake in the country, beautiful walk and running trails around, children's fairyland. Uh, and then we took them to the Paramount Theater, which is maybe one of the most beautiful Art Deco theaters in the United States. And they went, hey, when did you build this place? And they go, like, what do you mean, when did we build this place? They were thinking that, you know, we might have done this uh, for the All-Star game. And then we took them up to the Oakland Hills. And they went, holy mackerel, this is like one of the most beautiful views any place. Because they just had San Francisco, San Francisco, San Francisco. And then we took them to Jack Lennon Square and had lunch. And that sealed the deal for the all-star game. And it was one of the most successful all-star games. So Ray, you, you can talk to that where people just don't get it unless they're in it and around it. Yeah. I mean, I, that's a hundred percent right. And especially now, I mean, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even recognize Oakland if you were here 20 years ago uh, with respect to just kind of the development and what's happened and, you know, the changes that have happened. I mean, you're identifying things that people who are native to the East Bay and the Bay Area have always known. I mean, people have always gone uh, to Joaquin Miller Theater and to, you know, to look at the views from Montclair and, you know, Lake Merritt and been on Jacqueline Square. And I mean, we've always known the beauty in Oakland. Uh, but, you know, the truth is, is that most of Oakland was known for its reputation of its sports teams. You know, um, the the A's, you know, just in sort of their rebellious years, I think there was a great, um, uh, there was a great, uh, uh, I want something, I want to say it was a, a, a documentary that was put together about the A's in the 70s. You know, you got the Raiders and just the toughness of the Raiders and you have, you know, the, the Hells Angels being, you know, started in Oakland and the Black Panthers being started in Oakland. So, I mean, there's a lot of social, uh, civic, you know, civil scenarios that have started in Oakland and that's kind of and they were all projected through our sports teams you know and so people's reputation of Oakland because they heard about our sports teams really uh came with a reputation that you know definitely didn't see the other side of Oakland you know so you know it's it's a it's it's an incredible city and it's growing and back to my point one of the things that we want to do you know right near the Coliseum is, is that's the area we want to revitalize and we want to take and make sure that that area that's so underserved has an opportunity to still be served by sports economics. And so, um, as I was telling, you know, Jake as well, you know, part of our goal in, you know, uh, pursuing an NFL franchise is not just about football. It's about the site. I mean, it's the most incredible site and you've touched on it with respect to transportation, it has the 
airport, it has airport extension. It has BART, which is our version of subway. It has Amtrak that comes right into the Amtrak station at the Coliseum. It has 880, the main freeway artery within the Bay Area. I mean, it's an incredible, when you think about the transportation infrastructure, uh, one of the things that I've heard is that when the NFL executives that came here that were looking at Oakland before they did the town hall meeting before the Raiders relocated, is they, they were their first time, some of them had never been here and they just couldn't believe mm -hmm. the, the site right. itself. I mean, it's just for sports and entertainment, I don't think that there's a better, they, they, they cited top five in the country. You know, so well, you and I are on, you know, we're on the same team and we have been for years without even knowing we were on the same team. But if you look at the miracle that has been created at China Basin, where the Giants uh, have their ballpark, the Warriors and all the retail and, and uh, housing that's done there. That place 22, 23 years ago, Ray, that was Chernobyl. That place was horrible. And look at the multi-billion dollar miracle that it's become. As Ray said, and because of you know his group and the effort that they move forward with, that 150 acres at the Coliseum, there isn't, uh, and I speak to you know real estate gurus, there's not a better location in all of California than that area right yeah, absolutely i yep. mean it i mean when you think about the major obstacles that the warriors had and even the giants had building in china basin i mean it was about transportation it was about you know how you know ucsf and how you were going to fit all these people you know doing what they were doing with respect to new residents and how are you going to have game days when you had the warriors potentially, and the Giants playing on the same day. Well, the Coliseum, you don't have that issue. I mean, it is unreal. I mean, I, I mean, I, and I, I'm, and I'm saying that obviously, you know, like you said, we're on the same team, but it is a fact. And everybody who travels here from, you know, from every major sports franchise have been here and they all say the same thing. They all say, this is so easy. It's so accessible and it's such a great location. So you know, part of so Ray creating, yeah, creating momentum for something as large as this. Give us some insight into sort of how you started it, how it's gained momentum, and where it stands today. Sure. So what I had to do first is I had to um, assemble a team. I mean, I already had the vision, and I had been working to try to keep the Raiders here and the Warriors here. So I had become very engaged in the whole sports process, really from a community perspective. And so I was already locked into that. And so one of the things that myself and some of the other people thought about was, look, if the Raiders leave, it might be a great opportunity for our community, you know, to bring in an, an NFL team <clears throat> that we may not ever have to worry about that happening again. This is the second time. So that kind of started the vision. And then once we moved forward with the vision, uh, I had to assemble a team because me just, you know, you know, being a guy with a vision is one thing, but it's, it's, it's different when you start bringing on credible pieces to your plan. So Robert Bob, who was the former city manager of Oakland heard about what I was doing. And I had known Robert Bob through the community and he called me and said, Ray, I think what you're doing is phenomenal. I want to come on board. Now he had worked, he, he was the city manager of Oakland and tried to, 
take the A's downtown, if you remember, a lot of people feel like if he was successful in 2002 doing that, we might still have all three franchises, but that's for a different conversation. But Robert went to D.C. and helped bring the Expos to D.C. to become the Nationals. And he also played a role in building the stadium. And he also said, you have the great, you have a great site. If you can secure that site and add that as a component to this package to the NFL, you're going to be in good shape. I'm going to come on board with you. I'm going to do this to help make history. So Robert comes on board um, and he has stadium development. He has municipal, uh, municipal experience. So that's first piece. Second piece, we bring on Alan Dones, who his father was the first African-American developer in Oakland. He comes on board and says, I'd love to help, you know, work through the master development plan. I'm in. So we do that. And then Bill Duffy comes on board, who's a agent here, uh, you know, who's local and, but he's a great agent. He, uh, Yao Ming was one of his first clients. Uh, you know, he just got Steve Nash, uh, or he just negotiated the deal with Steve Nash, who's his client at Brooklyn. So Bill's a great guy, knows sports really well. Um, Ronnie Lott got Bill his first client. If you look at his Wikipedia, great friends. So, so Bill comes on board and says, Ray, you know, I really like what you're doing. You know, I want to, I want to get involved in this as well. So Bill comes on board and then we get Loop Capital. Loop Capital is the largest um, African-American uh, investment banking firm in the country. Uh, they have great people involved. Uh, you know, Rufus Williams, who's, you know, who was Oprah Winfrey's uh, CFO for, you know, a long time. You know, Daryl Williams, you know, and Jim Reynolds, the founder. These are great people. They've been underwriting uh, municipal bonds in Oakland and the Bay Area for 20 years. So they're not, you know, so they have a real under clear understanding of the landscape. Then we bring in Shonda Scott, who does all the community engagement for the largest uh, development projects in Oakland. So all of a sudden we have this huge, we have this viable team and this momentum that's starting to pick up. Everybody we're talking to is saying, count me in, what can I do? So we say, well, we need to talk to the A's. We meet with the A's. Um, we don't get it, believe it or not, we, didn't, we, we had a, a relatively positive conversation and have created a good dialogue, knowing that the A's were purchasing the county's portion to make sure that they have a fallback if Howard terminal doesn't work out for them so we're talking to the a's <clears throat> so we let them know and um, just by using proper protocol and etiquette we put an offer in on the city's portion of the interest in the coliseum site for 92 million right so we're there mm -hmm. so we know that if we can secure the site and we can incorporate that into our final proposal and plan to the nfl I mean, now all of a sudden we're talking about something because if we've already secured capital through Loop Capital, who has great relationships with, you know, sort of the upper echelon of wealth within the African-American community and we can secure site, then all of a sudden we became a maybe a guy from East Oakland that had a vision that loved sports to this could potentially be moving in a direction where we there's a there there. So that's. Kind of right, because all of all of the entities in the Bay Area, many people from the sports business world would look at, wait a second, the A's are going to try to capture 150 acres at the Coliseum for 
a hundred and what seventy million dollars while they continue to work on their Howard Terminal ballpark, which has multiple complexities, as Ray said, uh, <laughs> podcast for another day. But why not be forward thinking and look at upgrading the Coliseum? to become the next sort of miracle location that the Coliseum has already proven over decades that it has been, it is, and it can be. Um, So, you know, that's just pure logic and having the money and outbidding, um, you know, that hasn't gotten near enough ink as it should, right, Ray? I would, would, yeah, I mean, I would say that. And I mean, they're one of the things that we're going to have to deal with. We we have the only proposal that's public. We've been very public. We put it in the media immediately. Um, Just because we want transparency, we know that the community wants that and they have embraced us for that. Um, And there are going to be other offers. There are going to be other scenarios where people are going to want to do things at the Coliseum. But if we can connect with the A's, there's already what's called the Coliseum Area Specific Plan. And the Coliseum Area Specific Plan accounts for three teams, two teams, one teams, or no teams. But it, what it is, is just a plan that the community worked really hard to put together um, that uses uh, professional sports as an economic vehicle for development and revitalization for the last and most underserved area of Oakland. So it really makes sense if we were to connect with the A's. I think it, I mean, we could realize the Coliseum specific plan. Uh, Coliseum City was something that was proposed as a part of it it's at one point, but I mean, there's ancillary development around it. There's tons of uh, real estate around the Coliseum that could be developed as well. So this project, and, and we, we realized that, look, even if we didn't get an NFL franchise, we want to redevelop the area, you know, um, but we are laser focused on that. We believe we're getting closer to that becoming a reality. Um, but at the end of the day, we want to work together with the A's because we feel it's important for us to maintain professional sports in Oakland. Well, and Ray, as you think about, you just mentioned something in terms of the revitalization period um, and, and process, like that's ultimately what sports is all about. It's about raising those communities up and bringing them together, uh, as you mentioned, kind of back to your whole beginning, right? That afforded you an opportunity to uh, have some experience in an entrepreneurial way, right? That wasn't, um, you know, you, you could do it in your backyard, right? You didn't have to go very far to do it. And I think those types of opportunities for people can get, can get them started in a way such as you did. And uh, let's just talk about that economic impact aspect uh, real quick, because it's something that sometimes is uh, lost in terms of talking about sports and the platforms, but truly that's at the root, root foundation of it. Yeah. I mean, it, look, anybody who's an Oakland sports fan, knows that a lot of times when teams come to play Oakland, they stay in San Francisco. And, and that really is something that when you think about it, um, it, it really shouldn't be that way. And because if you look at Oakland and the Hagenberger corridor, which is right near the Coliseum, you have tons of hotels there. We just need a five-star hotel. We need a hotel. I mean, I think a lot of the teams stay at the Hilton, but when you talk about things like the all-star game, like the, talked about and you talked about the Super Bowl you know that there's always this immediate inclination to to look towards San Francisco and the truth is is that revitalizing this area 
bringing in a hotel, making a new stadium, a convention center that can do year round business, using the transportation infrastructure in such a way that it really allows for not just this, this opportunity to be realized through the Coliseum specific plan with professional sports, but also it allows for the community that still lives there to participate in this boom in Oakland because Oakland is booming. I mean, it's just, I mean, and this is pre COVID I'm talking about, but even with COVID, if you look at areas where rents have dropped and real estate prices have dropped, Oakland has sustained actually. So you're talking about a, a real situation with a, a economic engine with viability. They say over the next 15 years, uh, the Oakland economy may rival that of San Francisco. So we're talking about revitalization and we're talking about without displacement. So sports is one of those, one of those things that you're, you're right. It can rebuild a, team, a, a entire community. I was talking to Robert Bob and he said that, you know, the, where they built the national stadium in DC, it wasn't really a place you really wanted to go to after dark, but now you have, you know, people can watch the game from their condo and you also have affordable housing. The people in that community work there, they're participating. And yes, sports brings that level of economic public-private partnership that really no other institution can bring. And so when we look at Oakland and we look at the NFL and we look at MLB, it's, this is like a moment, especially in the history where, in, in the history of our country, where we need to be thinking about how we can come together and how we can work together as a country. Um, this is, if you were to describe and define public-private partnership, this is it. I mean, and Andy can tell you because he has so much experience with the site. I mean, it, you couldn't ask for a better blueprint. I mean, it, it can totally and completely revitalize a community that everybody can benefit from while maintaining sports in a city that has done absolutely nothing wrong, you know, to lose its franchises. I mean, the community did nothing wrong. The fan bases did nothing wrong. I mean, we lost our teams for reasons that were completely out of our control. And I, I can say this as we get near the, the close of this session and, Hopefully the listeners understand a little bit more of the positive reality of this project and, and Oakland. But if you look at, um, you know, Charlie Finley, who brought the A's from Kansas City, if you look at the group that uh, launched the Raiders in the AFL and ultimately Al Davis and his sort of renegade image, if you look at Franklin Muley, um, who was the deer stalker owner um, and sort of counterculture person with the warriors over here. It really does take people with vision and energy and enthusiasm and hearing Ray talk about this as, as we get to the end. So what, what are the, uh, the session, Ray, what are the significant next, Steps. Um, let's talk more specifically about your ongoing conversations with the NFL and the process of keeping them in the loop and building your ownership group because, you know, having a few well-known billionaires is always important in the world of sport. Right. So with the NFL contacted us, as you know, they, they contacted us and, and we're, were open to looking at um, potential principal owners under their Rooney rule. And the Rooney rule for the listeners that may not know, I would assume that most do, but <clears throat> it was a rule that was incorporated by the owners of the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Rooney family, 
that really focused on expanding um, candidates with respect to uh, executive positions and mainly coaching positions within the NFL and to diversify that pool more. And that's the Rooney rule. So the NFL is looking at our proposal under the, they expanded the Rooney rule recently to focus on executives and the higher level uh, pieces of the organization. So we're looking at it from a Rooney rule and what we're doing now is we're just really, we haven't had a tremendous amount of uh, constant interaction with the NFL because what we're doing is we just want to build them a package to where when we do make our final and, and more escalated uh, engagement, we want to have a complete package and we have to have the land because if we don't have the site, it's going to be really tough. I wouldn't say that our proposal would be dead on arrival, but I would say that one of the things that we know that the Raiders, you know, wanted was the site. We know that the NFL talked about the site. So um, if we can get that and we're very close to doing that, we believe um, we're at a minimum, we're formally negotiating with the city. If we can do that and we can finalize our ownership uh, uh, group and make sure that the financial piece of it, which the uh, NFLs always wants to know and always wants to vet is in place. And then finally, we're building out the benefit. We, we really feel like it within our proposal, we're gonna be identifying and doing a performa on how being in Oakland is gonna benefit the NFL, how having Oakland, a place that was a 47 year host of NFL games, we have the location, we know egress, ingress, we understand how to operate. Um, more importantly, we're a city that is synonymous with social change. This is the perfect scenario, it's the perfect storm. We feel like if we did this, merchandise is gonna be a very positive situation. People are gonna embrace this. And if you do it in a region like the Bay Area where you have a, all cultures of people, where people are forward thinking, this is an area and a region where this could really work and you could do really well. So we're finalizing our performa. And at the end of the day, Andy, our goal with the NFL is to say, here's this incredibly comprehensive package with this incredibly viable group and this most right. certainly historic opportunity. Let's figure out how to say yes instead of no. And this was a, a fantastic session for the listeners, those that are building careers in the world of sports, to understand that it can come from anywhere. It doesn't have to come from top down. It can come from bottom up. And it is, you know, communities like Oakland who have sports in their DNA, and that might sound a little hokey, but as you've heard, it absolutely positively is the truth. So, on behalf of myself and Jake and, and life in the front office, we will be watching closely and I personally supporting everything that you're doing um, to keep the community um, involved and uh, making sure that this is the most systematic, strategically positive built campaign, which you've already told us. So. 
congratulations to this point, and uh, I know we look forward to having you back on life in the front office in the future. Jake, anything you have to say at the end? No, incredible. We'll, we'll all be rooting for you, and we just uh, we hope you come back once you land it all. <laughs> hey, you know, you guys will be there, man. We'll be toasting together. So thank awesome. you guys so much. We, I, I really appreciate the platform. And, you know, as much as we can get our message out, you know, we're doing that. We've really been transparent about that. And we we really feel like what we're putting together is something that's that's just a beautiful thing. You know, we feel like it, it's hard to root against it. So um, thank you guys again. Thanks, Ray.